Welcome to what the if 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 we're having a time dilation episode. It's a special feature of what the if. If you go back and listen to an earlier message, uh, an earlier <laughs> message, boy, I'm really, if you go back and listen to some earlier, there's an earlier episode that has time dilation in the title. I can't remember what it's called, time dilation for fun and profit, maybe something like that. You can go to our website. Something like that. Yeah. yeah Whattheif.com. You can see all our previous, ep- listen to all our previous episodes. And uh, when Skype is bad, it acts as if um, man and I are on separate heavenly bodies, uh, at least several light seconds apart. Um, or packet seconds. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, uh, so, where in fact we're just one river apart. Yeah, one river, few subway stops, you know, and yet light mm-hmm. years in terms of cultural understanding. Delay, delay, <laughs> delay. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, welcome everybody. We're having a crazy start. Hey, that's how it is in the morning. Um, this is what the if. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> what? Like, like they say uh, in yeah, Rain Man. Distort you, time for. <laughs> like they say in Rain Man, you're answering a question from a half hour ago. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that happens. It happens. Um, mm-hmm. What the if is a show where um, we basically ask what if? What if something weird? One tiny thing we're different about the world, the universe. Um, from that tweak, yeah, and then we run with it. We yeah. run with it. We try to stick to you know if every if all science is accurate, if if if, if we stick to known science after having made that one change. Um, uh, also, by the way, I, I've been uh, connecting with a lot of science fiction writers, um, aspiring and published uh, on Twitter. Um, our Twitter account, by the way, what the if show, well, it's all one word, what the if show, um, connect with us there. There's, man, we've got a community of almost 4,000 people there. Um, I post a lot of science news and just fun, weird science oddities and things like that. We have discussions. Um, feel free also to go there and, uh, you know, if you hear something in today's episode or previous episodes, uh, let's discuss, let's have fun. Um, We'll take ideas and all that kind of stuff too. Um, uh, just real quick, I uh, we we don't we haven't really addressed who we are. Um, we're just these disembodied mm-hmm. voices, as far as you're concerned out there. Uh, I'm Philip Shane, a documentary filmmaker. Yep. I am a geek, a nerd, but not a dweeb. I refuse to accept that. I, I can't even reappropriate that and be proud of dweeb. Just too much pain. Yeah, around that. Just too much. And you, sir, how do you self-identify? Uh, I am, I identify as a carbon-based life form. Um, <laughs> and when I'm not doing that, I'm a historian of science and science educator in some sense, I guess. Um, basically, I like to, to do research and write about and think about the way science connects to all the other parts of our lives. Ooh, that's cool. That's a great description. Um, and you are also mostly harmless as a carbon-based life form. 
I uh, well, I, I don't know if, if I would go that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Hitchhiker's Guide describes Earth as its um, as a whole. I guess if you quantified my, I have done. Yeah, that's right. But but you know, so if you did like a statistical analysis of how much harm each person on Earth has done, and you know, graphed it, I'm probably on the well. I don't know actually. I'm I'm probably within two sigma of the middle. <laughs> Um, but I, but I will say which way. Right. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's, that's a great introduction. I'm two Sigma from the middle of how much harm one has done to the earth. <laughs> um, <clears throat> how to make friends and influence people. Um, uh, <laughs> that's right. You just, yeah, you just give your statistical harm rating. Yep. <laughs> statistical harm rating. My S H R. Um, so, uh, thank you, everyone, by the way, for tuning in. Um, if you've listened before, uh, I hope you find this today is uh, just as entertaining. If you're new, I hope you're not confused already. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we take something. Oh, I was mentioning it was science fiction writers. That's what it was I was connecting with. And uh, so, what the if, asking oh, right. what if, yeah. is kind of how you write a science fiction story, right? I mean, you. I, I think it was even H.G. Wells may have mentioned that... Um, you know, when, when Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, some of the early writers uh, started to write about their process, they basically said, you take one thing and you say, what if this? What if you could travel through time, H.G. Wells would have asked, and then leave everything else as accurate as possible? Yeah, as, as is. As is. As is, right? What the if, and then the rest is as is. Yeah. Uh, also, we put the the in, you know, obviously we could just say what if, but... Um, as you know, Matt mentioned being two sigma away from um, the median of harm done. Uh, we say what <laughs> we just have a lot of attitude about it. We feel very strongly about whatever happens from here forward. Uh, so fasten your seatbelts, Matt. Yeah, that's right. An incredible um, announcement uh, discovery. Um, which before you get to the um, the important point. Um, it was uh, that we had uh, two two neutron stars colliding uh, was seen by the gravitational wave um, observatories here on Earth. And um, before we get to the other meanings of that, I want to note, as I did on Twitter, what the if show account, um, mm-hmm. Forbes magazine reported that um, 28 octillion dollars in gold were formed in the uh, collision. So they yeah. just they just cut the crap and they got right to the you know, get right to the real important discovery there. So it's there for the taking. The the things we really care about. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And I don't I didn't check to see like the gold futures market today. Did it crash <laughs> based on that news or anything? <laughs> right. If in I don't I don't know how many light years away these things are. <laughs> uh, if in twenty thousand yeah. years somebody's going to get that gold. How does that affect the market? It's a very long, it's a long-term market. Well, that could be, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, classical economics says we're all supposed to be rational actors with perfect information about markets and supplies. So perfect information surely has to include distant neutron star collisions too, right? Right, right, right. Well, basically, we just understood that the the amount of gold available not yet found, not yet uh, mined, but uh, the amount available in the universe just increased enormously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the price would drop. Um, 
precipitously. Right. Um, yeah, sure. Because if somebody announced today that, you know, some geologists said they discovered that the oil reserves under the crust of the earth were 10,000 times the size they thought they were, that would have huge repercussions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem fair that just uh, a few thousand is enough to keep the, uh, the astrophysicists out of that game. That's right. That's right. Just like with oil, they say, have we reached peak oil? Meaning the most yeah. we'll find, then it'll decline from here forward. We, we, we thought we reached peak gold, but in fact, it just, it just went up like crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the well, real Yeah, science, that's right. And I should say, and there's a sense in which, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, we, we have reached peak um, uh, hydrogen and lithium, actually. Oh. Um, pretty much there's not going to be any more there's not there's not going to be much fresh hydrogen over the course of the universe oh, wow. um, and only small amounts of lithium too <clears throat> um, so fortunately there's so much hydrogen that you might not care um, but lithium you know that's actually a, a fairly useful thing right so we use that for um, you know making batteries and such <laughs> right so um, yeah actually okay here's a what if and then we'll get to the just curious about okay. the particulars of this discovery. Um, people always you know, talk about, especially in a lot of science fiction books, um, mining something in space seems to be the one thing that would finally motivate. Just like we read, so Forbes was interested in you know, Forbes magazine, a business magazine, was interested in how much gold was right. available. <laughs> and um, there's this thought that uh, all of us who are actually reading the science fiction books. Um, and I mentioned that in particular, even a little bit different from the movie. I mean, if you're reading the science fiction literature, you're, you're a little more dedicated, let's say. Um, that you know, we're into it. We're gonna sure. we're, we're gonna go in space no matter what. Why aren't we doing this? Um, and maybe Elon Musk mm-hmm. is is with us on that. But uh, the rest of the pleons on this peons, I call them pleons on this earth. <laughs> we gotta have you know. Oh, if we could just get some ore, <laughs> if we could just find some coal up there, then it'd be exciting. Right. Um, however, so that's right. Coal yeah, would be great. It probably is true, right? I mean, I imagine that's what motivated, uh, we had Columbus Day last week. It was the, the discovery of gold and things like that that uh, motivated oh, right. massive. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's sort of the, the standard narrative is, yeah, you go exploring and you colonize for, for reasons exploitation right right um so then the question is you know what's what's going to be the resource that gets us into space um and so this is just you know now a question of cost to me it costs um about your weight in gold to put you into orbit or to push you further into space oh, wow uh, um so so kind of at first glance uh you know, this is a, a back of the envelope calculation would say you would need an asteroid of pure gold to make it kind of worth the trip up back. And you can mess with that. You know, if you've got a moon base, you'll cut some of your costs. And, you know, if you can roboticize some of it, but, but that's kind of a helpful goal um, or a helpful benchmark for, for thinking about these things. Um, that's interesting. Well, that, that could be a new diet motivation too. Like, uh, man, I really want to go to space. And at the moment, I would have to pay my weight in gold. So I weigh less. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> my weight in gold would be substantial. Oh, I see. oh yes, that would be great. <laughs> um, 
you could afford to go to space. Yeah, you know, I Let's. hope that ever happened during the space program. I could, I could, I could, I could totally imagine early NASA demanding uh, astronauts be on strict diets because you know you're literally saving million dollars um, if they didn't have breakfast that morning. Right, right. In fact, they probably said we're going to dock your pay every every ounce you <laughs> increase your weight <laughs> for every muffin you eat. Yeah. Yeah. There's another way, another good diet plan. Have your pay docked as if you were at a ticket mm-hmm. to go to space. Right. This is this is dieting for nerds. Um <clears throat> so uh, <laughs> uh James Cameron, of course, has a great uh almost winking with the silliness of this uh kind of concept where um he says uh in Avatar, the incredible Material that's found is unobtainium. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that was a bold stroke to just call it unobtainium. Yeah. Um, so for those of you, you who may not be familiar with it, that, that's kind of a gag name that science fiction writers use to describe whatever the mysterious substance is they use in there. Uh, in the their particular stars. So the spelling so is like lampshading the, the trope, um, which was bold and I think irritated a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that it was a, uh, like a already used joke code word among writers. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like the science, it's the science fiction equivalent of, um, uh, oh, what's the word for um, something in a movie that doesn't matter what it is, but everybody wants to get it. Um, right. Why am I blanking on this title? You mean hand wave him? <sighs> you know what I mean? No, uh, oh, no. MacGuffin. MacGuffin. It's um, more generic term. Um, thank you. Um, yes, that's right. So unobtainium is just the sci-fi term for MacGuffin, essentially. Right. That was funny um, is with the Skype delay there. I said MacGuffin probably five seconds <laughs> before it got to you. And I got to sit here and wait. Oh, he's going to go. He's going to get... <laughs> <laughs> and wait to see if I got it right. Yeah. Um, but, and, and some of these, I should say, some of the unobtainium are better than others. So essentially what you would want is um, you want something in space that you can't get on the surface of Earth, essentially at all, um, or it's insanely difficult to get. Uh, so one of my favorites, I think David Brin does this with his moon base stories is um, human beings invent fusion reactors that run on helium three, which is a particular isotope of helium. Um, that's very hard to, it's essentially not found on the surface of the earth, but there's lots of it on the moon's crust just sitting there. It, it, kind of, it gets deposited by the solar wind. Um, so that's a good reason to build a moon base because you have this particular fuel that you can only get there. That's interesting. And we can't, we couldn't manufacture it or that would just be too much. It's much cheaper to get it off the moon. Exactly. That would be the, yeah, you can, you can make it, but you make it by like, you know, having an uncontrolled fusion reaction and things. So totally not worth it energetically. Right, right, right. There's something else I'm trying to think. Um, Other science fiction books I've read, I think um, Alistair Reynolds does this in Revelation Space, um, that there are, um, there's something in the atmosphere of Jupiter that um, yep. they use. Maybe it's just hydrogen or something, you know, that they, they go there with these ships and they mm-hmm. scoop it up. Um, you know, they can find, it's just a ton of it just sitting there waiting to be picked up. So ships would get, if you just get to Jupiter, you could then scoop up all this fuel 
and go anywhere you want after that. Right. Um, um, but uh, I'm trying to think what, uh, yeah, that's right. And this is one of these things for us, sir. I was going to say is what, um, so in David Brin's book there, for instance, he, he, he posits one invention and then now we need to find this. Uh, so his sort of what the, if there was, um, what if we invent this fusion reactor that could use this? And then that gets right. him to explore the real science of mining something on the moon. But, um, going at it a little bit backwards, I'm curious what, um, I've always wondered what is something that would actually be so valuable to us now yeah, that's right. That's a good question. Um, so I guess one way to try and answer that would be is what, what is the most valuable substance on Earth by weight? Because mass is the, the question here. Um, and I'm not sure what that is, actually. Um, I don't know, probably some highly refined metal material or something. Or maybe it's saffron. Saffron's pretty expensive. Ooh, saffron. For your rice. That'd be nice, right? <laughs> Rice futures uh, way up. <laughs> Rice futures. <laughs> rocket. Um, so, yeah, so that's right. So, if you find an asteroid of, of pure saffron out there, I guess that's <laughs> It's going to be an amazing um, Indian restaurant yeah. on, the, on planet saffron. Yeah, wouldn't that be fabulous, yeah. right? Like, on, yeah, <laughs> you just scoop it up with your hands and you. Yes, <laughs> um, and this is uh, well. It's, it's uh, um, especially with things like organics. I mean, this is one of the reasons that uh, Interstellar, the movie, irks me so much. Just that the the premise of the movie is supposed to be that there's that, that you can't grow food on Earth anymore, and you're going to go grow food somewhere else better than Earth, um, and like that's just not going that there, there's no, no way that's going to be effective in terms of energy or engineering or anything like that um if, if earth stops growing food only the saffron asteroid will save us <laughs> that's right. no if we're out of spice <laughs> you know yes. there's gonna be planet <laughs> the spice must flow <laughs> right okay well there that's a good point you know in um frank herbert's dune yeah um it was a spice but e mm -hmm. even there it was a little bit of an unobtainium spice wasn't it there was it was like a magic spice. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, that's right. It was a magic spice, but there, there was some more detail. But again, it's, you know, one of the things that Herbert does so nicely is he runs with the what if for thousands and thousands of years, right? It's not usually the sci-fi what ifs are, you know, decades or maybe hundreds of years after this. But he really imagined what it would be like to have a, whole, you know, this vast civilization dependent on this one thing um uh, and that would be great yeah if, if it makes a great story i should say oh yeah yeah for anyone out there if, if you haven't read dune or if you read it a long time ago i mean i read it i read it as a kid and i kind of understood it I, uh, my uncle had given mm -hmm. me an, a magnificent illustrated version of dune um large format incredible mm -hmm. paintings and um i read right. it as a kid, sort of understood it but when i went back to read it later i was Two things. One, I was blown away again by the depth. I understood much more. Also, I was amazed how much of Star Wars is taken from Dune. Oh, yeah, I came from that. <laughs> a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely a book that rewards um, repeat readings uh, over and over again. And as you say, separated by years. Um, and you'll appreciate different things about yeah. the story each time. Yeah. yeah. So now on Earth, it seems that um, oil. By far, oil seems to drive people crazy, right? I mean, we'll we'll just like 
Mm -hmm. countries will do whatever it takes to seize territory and get oil, right? We go to war for it. Um, So strangely enough, even though it's a, we're fortunately most people are recognizing that it's, it pollutes the planet in a terrible way and will kill us. Um, Oil, if, if oil were found on the moon, now this is, that's a little far-fetched. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good question. Yeah. No, no, go for it. We would go crazy. So is it, is it possible that oil, it's not going to, it's not going to be on the moon? Um, uh, no, because we're, because the oil, you know, is the byproduct of organic material, massive amounts of organic material over long periods of time. So we're pretty sure that those never existed on uh, the moon. Right. Right. And actually, Uh, yeah, for, for those who don't know what is, you know, oil is biomass from yeah, biomass. Yeah, so uh, plankton and plants um, that get uh, crushed and heated over long periods of geological time. Um, so we call them fossil fuels for that reason. <laughs> they, they, they are literally the fossil remnants of things that um, uh, lived long, long ago. So this is one of the questions people say, why don't we just make more oil? And I said, well, if you're willing to wait, wait um, 60 million years, no problem. Right. So we're just, the problem is that we're burning up 60 million years worth of oil production in two, 300 years of industrialization. So that's sort of the essence of the crisis. So oil is still being um, formed, um, I guess. Very, there's some just layer. Extre- just extremely slowly. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. If you go down deep enough, it's going to be formed there. Um, but the question isn't really, is it being formed? It's being, it's, is it being formed faster than um, we're using it? And the answer there is surely no. I should say that there are some conspir- geological conspiracy theorists out there um, who, who think that oil is being produced continuously in as vast quantities as you want. Um, and I'm sure there's dark corners of the internet where you can talk to these people if you want. Right. Now, but isn't, just real fast on this, isn't there, um, seems to me that, we found far more oil than we thought we would. Like we thought we were in a crisis and then, or is it just, we've gotten better at them? Um, we've just gotten better at it. That's right. There's a kind of ringing out more from, and finally, so like when we announce a new, a new deposit found today is much smaller than a new deposit announced 50 years ago. Um, and we're, but we're still finding lots of them. Um, they're just getting smaller and smaller. So you get this kind of diminishing returns problem. Right, right, right. So, so interesting part of the what the yeah. if is that um, another component of it is that we have to have the means to get the oil. So, do we think like is it possible? Well, is there anywhere sure. in the solar system where it's possible there was oil? Like, would that be Mars? Well, it would be. Like I said if if it's oil in the sense that we're familiar with it, it would have to be someplace that had an enormous amount of biomass uh, at a long time in the past, and it would have to be a geologically active place as well. So I'm not, I don't know, unless Io Mm -hmm, (laughs) uh, mm -hmm. or one of the other moons of Jupiter um, had biomass, that's conceivable, I guess. But even, but just for the purposes of what the if, let's stick it on the moon because we know we can get there and back, right? Um, So let's, we we can just pretend that... uh, you know, we were a binary planet system long ago, and the moon had, yeah, right, or, same, or more actually, like yeah. if um, through satellites or the rovers and you know whatever, we we it is possible we could discover mm-hmm. oil on Mars, and that would drive 
that would be a, just a mm -hmm. massive rush to Mars. I can imagine. Well, that. but that's the question. So, the, so this is the the calculation uh -huh. uh, you have to do is um, how much. Well, I should say there's two ways to do the calculation. You can do the calculation in money, or you can do the calculation in energy. Um, and we tend to do calculations in terms of money because we don't think in terms of energy, but it's really energy that matters at the end of the day. So it costs a certain amount of resources to get that equipment and people from the surface of the earth to Mars and extract that energy, uh, extract that oil. And then it takes resources to get the oil from the surface of Mars back to the surface of the earth where we can use it. Um, and those numbers are huge, right? <laughs> yeah. are, you know, the, the, the scale of equipment it takes to do an industrial style um, oil extraction uh, are such that the, the cost of prohibitive. So, you know, there's places on earth where uh, the cost is prohibitive to, to drill for oil. Mm. Um, and that's why we have things like fracking um, mm. and, you know, mm -hmm. pulling the oil sands, uh, oil out of the sands in Alberta, um, is that whenever we, we know there are these deposits of fossil fuels out there, but generally it's not expensive, it's not cost effective to, to take them out. Um, so if you can imagine that it would, it's too expensive to extract something from the surface of the earth, it's definitely going to be too expensive to extract it from the surface of Mars. Mm. But, but then there would be some tipping point, right? Where in both in the technology that we have to ship the things back and forth and the amount that's there. Yeah. Like if that's it was, right. And, and, and that's right. And then you need a third factor too, which is how desperate we are uh, for that oil too. So, uh, you know, as, um, you know, the, the relevant curves that are crossing are uh, price of oil and cost to extract that oil. Um, and if the price of oil gets high enough and it crosses ridiculous extraction costs, then that's a good economic reason to go do that thing. Um, so that might be kind of an interesting dystopia actually, uh, yeah. which yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're so desperate for fossil fuels that we will do uh, that will take ridiculous costs for it. Now, be it mining Mars or mining the surface of the moon, or I think much more likely uh, probably building our societies around slave labor where everyone's job is just to extract the next drop of oil. Right, right. Or you have these cloud city um, situations like you see in Star Trek and in uh, Empire Strikes Back where the rich people live in orbit and uh, the slaves yes, are down on the right. surface <laughs> mining. Um and, and I could also imagine Mars just becomes horribly polluted. <laughs> it's just, all well, Mars is is just an oil. It's like North Dakota or something. I mean, not that North Dakota is terribly polluted, but <laughs> um, but I should say that's actually one of the the. the so it's back in sort of the sixties and seventies when people start um, people like Goddard start thinking deeply about what space colonization might look like, and particularly space industrialization. And one of the big selling points of moving industry to space is that it can be as polluting as you want. So, you know, the reason, <laughs> the reason you care about pollution on earth is because you live on earth, but if nobody lived on Mars, nobody's going to care how polluted it gets. Right. And I should say I'm, I'm, I'm black boxing, you know, sort of, uh, exo ecology for the moment. That can be another what the if episode. Right, um, right. But uh, essentially, you know, you can, if you've got asteroid mines, they can be as polluting and filthy as you want, which makes them probably pretty efficient energy and money wise. Right. That's uh, kind of yeah. a little bit what you see in the expanse. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mining the asteroids. Um, <laughs> also, another factor is, uh, I might be slightly deviating from the linearity of our extrapolation here, but um, <laughs> uh, I can imagine that oil, that we actually invent some technology that makes oil, that makes burning oil, we can get an enormous amount more uh, more energy out of it than we can at the moment. So, for instance, there's a reason uh -huh. why our rockets yeah. mm -hmm. don't take off. <laughs> Those are not oil-burning rockets. Those are, <laughs> right? So it's like, is it uh, it's hydro liquid hydrogen? It's, yeah, liquid hydrogen and oxygen, yeah. Right. Which, which I should say, gets separated in an, an electrical process. And the electricity used in that process is probably produced in an oil-burning plant. Ah. So, you're, so you're spending a lot of oil energy to get more concentrated energy uh, in the form of liquid rocket fuel. Right, um, but you're but you lose energy at each of those you know stages, so that doesn't. So that's I say that's something we do um, a lot is we we accept overall inefficiency to get a boost um, right now of what we need. Right, even electrical cars, um, those batteries yeah. were formed mm -hmm. in uh, smoky. That's right. And again, you know, you, you charge your car, you charge your electric car with electricity, which was probably produced by an oil burning right. <laughs> electrical plant. Right. So, so you need to have this. So if you really want to escape that cycle, you need to charge your uh, electric car from hydropower, solar power. Um, and actually, I was just talking to a friend of mine who lives in Texas, and he just, he just closed that loop, as it were, he just installed solar panels so he could charge his car and now he gets to drive around guilt-free that's great of course he's he's slowly exhausting the sun he's <laughs> yeah, siphoning valuable photons off the sun uh, but, uh, they're coming anyway they're coming, they, but, were, they but, were already wasted so that's right they'll be here anyway yeah um, but something to ponder in terms of oil as a resource is burning oil is not the only thing we do with it right it's we mm -hmm. we make right. we make stuff out of oil too right. um and there's actually i i should say i feel more guilt from burning up oil as a, because it's such a good resource uh, in terms of making things, right? You can make all kinds of plastics and fantastic materials um, out of these hydrocarbons. Uh, so I always feel a little guilty that I'm burning up these precious resources just to move myself around. Right. Like, well, you know, that, that, that could have gone into building, I don't know, a plastic cup that would last a thousand years. I don't know if that's good or not. But, right. Or it's even used in uh, some isn't it? Uh, there may be some materials that are used literally in making the car. Um, yep, that is also yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably right. Yeah. Um, so I, I should say I look forward to a day when we use oil as just a base material for manufacturing rather than as a fuel for manufacturing. Right. Like, that would right. that would make me very happy. Right. So now I have this <laughs> I have this vision of <laughs> it's a little I don't know if you would call it steampunk, but uh, just like oil powered space travel. Um, so the, <laughs> these rockets, which are basically like trucks, you know, blasting off in Belgium, <laughs> horrible, uh, smoke and stuff like that. But what happens is now that, I don't know, some future more efficient uh, version of an internal combustion engine, I guess, um, can, you, you can use for, as a rocket to get off the earth. Now it means every, like all these guys who, uh, and some women, I guess, but you know, who are working on cars in their backyard. Mm -hmm. uh, which is something I've always been impressed by. Um, they they now have rockets. 
So basically, rocketry. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Rocketry is like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cars. So there's a everybody has a rocket, mm-hmm. and you go to the gas station, and you know, that's it. Everyone's flying around like a rocket. And, and Elon Musk mm-hmm. showed us uh, in his uh, presentation recently of his BFR, uh, which is mm-hmm. which. Mm-hmm. I think he was inspired by what the if. Yeah. <laughs> of course, how could it be otherwise? <laughs> Calling his rocket BFR. Um, all kinds of magical uh, words have been proposed for what the F means in <laughs> what the F. Uh, um, anyway, he showed us, he says <laughs> that you could get anywhere on Earth. If you had a rocket, you could get anywhere on Earth in 30 minutes. So uh, if we don't well, get jetpacks, sort of we a, get rockets. <clears throat> yeah, and this was a, an image people had back in, say, the 50s and the, the early atomic age. Was the idea that um, atomic energy would make... Um, as as was said, energy too cheap to meter, and therefore then everybody would have a rocket in their backyard. Um, and one of the interesting predictions they made is that cities would disappear because there's you know cities they were exist to because the it's convenient <laughs> <laughs> by people's exhaust. That's just you know cities people like to be close to each other, um, and you know for for all sorts of good economic and social reasons, uh, but. If you have a, uh, it's the same reason we have suburbs, right? As soon as it becomes convenient to drive into the city, then people live outside the city. So if you've got a rocket that gets you anywhere on the planet in half an hour, then like, why should you live in a city at all, right? You'll just live out on your, your estate in the middle of nowhere and blast to Shanghai for your meeting right. um, and then blast to Belgium for your next meeting. And that's fine, right? It's, it's the same amount of time it would take to get somewhere on the subway within the city here. You imagine how hard it would be to find a parking spot as you're hurtling down from <laughs> your, <laughs> the peak of your ballistic flight. I don't know. Is that a spot? Is he getting out? Is he leaving? <laughs> as you come down in your Falcon, your personal Falcon uh, rocket. Um, well, this is fantastic. This has been... Well, yeah, it's, yeah. What were you going to say? A very oily. Uh, it's been a very oily what the F. Yes, I like this. This has truly evolved into Elon Musk's fantasy world. You would fly around on his rockets, and then when you land, just for short travel, you'd be driving a Tesla. Um, yes, that's yeah. right. If, which, by the way, the Tesla actually has, I'm pretty sure this is real and not just a proposed thing, some kind of um, mode you can go into where it's like if you're going driving through some toxic air or something, you can like, it has like a James Bond mode where it filters the air. Or it seals you out. Oh, really? Wow, that's nice. Yeah. That would so be cool. That would totally be on full blast. And that also, I'm sure, makes more pollution. So you'd just be you're driving around in, in, in Teslas that are almost like uh, undersea uh, vehicles because mm-hmm. the fog, the smog is so thick. But boy, you can get anywhere fast. So that's, that's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, another, another vision I would love to uh, pursue more in the future. Um, to our listeners, to you uh, who are listening, I hope you I hope you enjoyed this journey as much as we did. Um, belching uh, is not a word I expected to use uh, in a what the if episode. <laughs> so I'm glad that that came up. Um, imagine if imagine more. Tell us uh, what do you see happening in this bizarre um, gas burning future. Um, tell us on Twitter what the if show or right. oh you can send us email by the way feedback. Ah. Yes, feedback at whattheif.com. Feedback at whattheif.com. Shoot us an email. Tell us what you think. Anything. Random thoughts. I mean, even if just like I'm eating a pizza, well, that'd be great. 
Uh, we could we, <laughs> we could run with that. We could run with the whole thing about that pizza eating planet, pizza planet. Um, mm, hungry now. So, mm. um, uh, oh, I was just checking my little list of things to beg the viewers and the listeners for, mm-hmm. and that is go sure. to iTunes, please. Go to iTunes. Somebody wrote us an amazing review. Um, ah, yes. If you could add to that, man, we'd really appreciate it. If you think the show is good. Um, if you don't, just don't even, just delete iTunes from your computer. <laughs> just forget it. But if you think it's a five-star thing, give us a five-star. You can actually just give us five stars um, if you also feel like writing a few words. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for listening. And Matt, thank you for your knowledge, your wisdom, um, and I hope that your two sigmas worth of violence and harm to the world is actually on the proper <laughs> side, maybe on the positive side, less. Well, see, that's the question, right? We don't Plus know. Minus. Um, yeah, so I'll let you know. That's a cliffhanger. All <laughs> right, Matt, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. All right. See y'all next Take week care. on What the If. <laughs> <laughs>